Hi, this is Daniel James, and this is the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R each Tuesday evening. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. Well, good evening. Welcome to episode 000050 of the mission. Finally made half a ton. Who would have thought? Uh, well, two more weeks to go and would have been on air a year here at, uh, well, not here in my room uh, where I'm broadcasting from this evening, but, um, you know, on Triple R using the airwaves, the 102.7 FMs. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. I'd like to um, start off by acknowledging, as always, the land from which I'm broadcasting on, and I'm still broadcasting from Wurundjeri land, of the uh, Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to them, past, present, and emerging. Um, hope you're keeping well. Um, I'm sitting here in a white T-shirt with gravy stains down the front. Uh, they're uh, stale bottles of beer, um, half-empty glasses of red wine from who knows how long ago. No, actually... Um, no, actually, I'm not. I'm actually spent a bit of time and energy in terms of actually setting up this uh, this little uh, little uh, mini studio of mine. I even have an iPad here with uh, a red digital clock telling me exactly what time it is. So it is. Um, it's going to be uh, a very interesting experiment. No matter how long this thing lasts, we will keep bringing you the content here on Triple R because we are your station in isolation. So um, the curve is flattening as a result of us doing the right thing. This is, of course, a great relief to all of us, but particularly those of us from the Aboriginal community, the most vulnerable section of the community. Now, there's a lot of talk in some quarters about restrictions being lifted. Well, I don't think that's going to happen for a while. The government today announced an increase in testing now to anybody that presents with symptoms. So the Health Minister today said there's no chance that restrictions will be lifted for at least four weeks so that's so we can see if we can track the track and trace every case of person-to-person infection. And once we get a hold on that, then we're well on the way to defeating this thing. Because if we don't remain on top of it, then cases can very much have the real chance of spiking like they have been in other countries, namely Italy, Spain, UK and the US. And uh, no one wants that. And we certainly can't afford outbreaks like that here, as you'll understand shortly when I speak to the chairperson of the Victorian Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Organisation, Karen Heap. It was reported last week in The Guardian that a number of Aboriginal health orgs have had to stop testing for COVID-19 because of a lack of personal protective equipment. So we'll speak to Karen about that and other things. And in the second half of the show, I'll speak with April Watson, the daughter of Yorta Yorta woman, Tanya Day, who, as you may remember, tragically lost her life, um, needlessly lost her life back in 2017. The coroner reported her finding last week, which showed a catastrophe of poor decision-making, prejudice, negligence, gross incompetence, and how all those things played a factor in Tanya's tragic death. The Day family has been amazing before, during, and after the whole inquest. So I'm looking forward to speaking to April and I'm also looking forward to thanking her on behalf of not just the Aboriginal community, but everyone um, who's, inf- who's affected by uh, injustice. 
Yeah, I'm here in uh, my little home studio in Docklands. Uh, for those Triple R listeners that uh, don't know where Docklands is, it's just basically industrial wasteland just south of the city. I wouldn't worry about uh, looking it up, but um, that's where I am. Um, probably the first show I would imagine that's ever been broadcast from this part of the world. But um, I'm home. I'm not at all nervous about the setup here. I'm, I'm, I'm totally confident. I haven't been losing nights of sleep over what might or might not happen. I haven't been hassling Sam. I haven't been hassling other people about you know, how this works and that works. I've just taken it all in my stride. It's just another little challenge that people are throwing in one's way during this uh, so-called pandemic. Independently yours, Triple R. 102.7. So as I was saying at the top of the show, we've been very fortunate so far in Victoria with the containment of COVID-19. One of our key weapons against the virus has been um, our targeted and um, increasingly rigorous testing. But for the Aboriginal community-controlled health sector, this has been in some ways thwarted in some areas due to critical shortages of personal protective equipment. And so on the line with me now, and I'm very grateful for her time, is Chairperson of the Victorian Aboriginal Community-Controlled Health Organisation, Karen Heap. Karen is a Yorta Yorta woman. She has been CEO of Ballarat and District Aboriginal Cooperative for 15 years. And she won the uh, Wanda Blow Award for Leading Self-Determination and Aboriginal Child Protection. And she's inducted into the Victorian Aboriginal Honour Roll for her vision and her advocacy. Karen, thank you so much for your time this evening. Thank you very much, Daniel. First of all, I'm asking this of all people that come onto the show. How are you and your friends and family holding up during this uh, pandemic? Yeah, um, my family and friends are all good. Um, <clears throat> it's it's a different way of living, I suppose, and we've got to get used to that. Um, not so much personal contact rather than just phone contact, which is a bit different. Um, but, you know, we've got to do this to make sure that we are safe from these uh, this virus that we've got going around. Now, as the um, CEO of the Ballarat District Aboriginal Cooperative, um, you were forced to close down a couple of weeks ago because of a lack of PPE. So what does it look like for, for Ballarat and other co-ops around the state in terms of access to PPE now? So um, I'll just clarify that with you. We we haven't closed our doors. Basically, we've we've not been able to do any more testing for right, the, okay. the, the virus. Yeah. So we ran out of PPE equipment um, a couple of weeks back, and so therefore we had to stop doing our testing for our community, which really makes it very difficult for the community because you know they're not keen to go to the hospital and get tested. Mm. Um, they're they're more comfortable and happy to come to the the ATCHO and the the you know community health service that we provide to get tested and feel safe in doing that. Um, so that caused us a little bit of grief. We, we've um, been able to do some, you know, combating of, of being able to test a little bit. We've we've been able to make our own um, gowns. So yep. um, we've had some people make some gowns for us. But, you know, that's limited because it's, it's material and you've got to use it once and put it in to be washed, um, you know, and sterilised. You can't continue using it you know yeah so 
So what yeah. are the what are the state and federal governments doing um, about this? Given that there has been a, you know, and rightly so, a, a large rigmarole around making sure that Aboriginal communities are, are protected. Um, yeah. Organisations like yours have been left in the lurch. What, what has been the response from from the state and federal governments to this? So, look, I think the, the state and the federal government are trying their best to actually try and provide us with um, the, the appropriate equipment. Um, I think this is across the nation. I don't think it's just for, for us as Aboriginal people. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just it, it makes it difficult because we have a very vulnerable um, a, a community and we need to make sure that we are tested quickly and, and you know, because it could spread quite easily in our community. Um, our, our Aboriginal families live in, in a house with several families living in the same house, you know, so yeah. they're sharing accommodation. So if one family member gets the coronavirus, it would go through the whole family, which is detrimental to that family, of course. But, you know, how do we stop the spread then? It, it just would go through that whole whole um, household. So and one one of, one of, sorry, that, go on. Continue, sorry. Those are the things that we really need to be mindful of and, and we need to be able to test early and get the proper... Um, you know, either they're in hospital or isolation process in place. Yeah, it's no point sort of announcing that there are, you know, more test kits now available than ever before and Victoria's going to be doing more tests if the if, if health workers and health professionals don't actually have the equipment to conduct the, to, to, um, conduct the tests in the first place. Absolutely. Health professionals are keen to do the testing and they want to make sure that our community is safe. But if you haven't got the equipment, I can't. I, as a CEO of an organisation, I can't put them in, at risk either. Yeah. So I've got to look after my staff as well. Yep, totally and utterly understandable. <laughs> One of the um, unnerving things about um, what's been happening in Ballarat was it was actually one of the first early spikes during this sort of you know pandemic as it started to progress across the country and Victoria. Mm. What's what's it look like now in terms of a hotspot? Is is it under control? Well, um, yeah, from all accounts I can see, and and you know the, the information that we receive, um, I think we've got it under control. Um, we've had ten cases in Ballarat, and uh, we haven't had another case for the last two weeks. I think it is now. Yeah, that's fantastic. So um, I think it's I think we've done what we need to do to make sure that people are doing the right thing as, as far as self-isolating, staying at home when they need to be staying at home, only going to the shops when they need to be there, um, and just making sure that they wash hands, um, stay distanced, <laughs> all the stuff that we're all being told to do. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm standing to attention as you're saying that because it's just like a drill. <laughs> I know, it is, isn't it? You hear it on the TV and you think, oh, right. <laughs> But the, on a serious yeah, so. note, the, the chief medical officer and the chief health officers have said, if we, if eighty percent of people can do the right thing, then mm. there's a real chance of not only restrictions being lifted sooner rather than later, but the, there's a chance that the, the the thing might die out eventually. So you know, if yeah. that is an incentive to do the right thing, I don't know what is. Uh, that's exactly right. Um, you know, it doesn't take much to stay home. Really, <laughs> I wish I could stay home more often. <laughs> um, but, but you know, you, you know, that's the thing with it. So we're we're really trying to support, and I think our shows across Victoria are doing the same sort of support for our communities. 
mm. wherever we are. Um, you know, we're making sure that we, we contact our people on a daily basis, making sure that they're well, making sure that if they need anything, they'd let us know, we can try and get it for them. Um, just making sure their social and emotional wellbeing is, is looked after as well, because, you know, isolation for some people is quite scary, you know, and, and mm. a lonely situation for people. So you need to be making sure that everyone's, you know, socially, emotionally and mentally well as well. So um, I'm, my staff are doing that on a daily basis and I'm sure that a lot of that shows across the state are doing the same sort of business. We've yeah. just got to do business differently. Yeah, it's it's actually really interesting that the um you know the Aboriginal community controlled health sector is, um in a way one of the best positions um, parts of the health system to actually deal with this crisis in terms of um, having the connectedness with with community um, having transport readily available. Um, having uh, you know a warm, inviting place that is not only a medical service, but it's also an organisation where people can gather, um, chew the fat, and actually express um, you know cultural identity through some of these organisations. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know just because they can't come through the front door anymore doesn't mean to say that we can't still provide that sort of um, support and service to our community, and and we do do that. Yeah, and that's really important, you know, um, just to keep them safe. You know, just making that contact on a daily basis keeps them inside. <laughs> that's the way we're thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shame people up. <laughs> if not yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tie them up on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the mission on Triple R. My name is Daniel. I'm speaking with Karen Heap, the CEO. I mean, so. The CEO of Ballarat District Aboriginal Cooperative, but she's also the chairperson of the Victorian Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Organisation, which is the peg body that represents, um, you know, uh, all of the um, Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Organisations in Victoria. And if I could just get you to put your your vacho hat on, Karen, um, how's how are things looking across the state? Are there any areas of um, concern? Um, look, I think you know. Um, there's all. I mean, I think the biggest area of concern across the state is that is the lack of appropriate um, protective equipment. Um, that's certainly a, a big issue across the state for us. Um, also, the lack of suitable housing um, and and suitable housing for homelessness as well. So mm-hmm. you know there are issues across the state that we need to be addressing. Um, Vacho, of course, as you said, is the peak Aboriginal organisation for health. Um, a marvellous job at trying to um, ensure that all ADCHOs across the state are informed as best they can. We've certainly got the ear of the government and um, there's been a newly formed task force which is to talk about the issues that are going across um, the health sector for, for ADCHOs and, and what we need to do to support all of our um, community-controlled organisations. Yeah, now I saw I saw that today that um, the, the state government has um, is it a state government or federal government has established a sort of an expert advisory panel around um, around PPE in particular. Um, yeah, you probably put me on the spot a bit there. No, that's I right. think I think it's um, I think that's a federal government possibly. Yeah, right. State government is a task force. And there are experts around the table, um, certainly, uh, just to discuss around the, the various health issues that we, we have for um, the state, for Aboriginal people. 
So are you confident that, um, you know, with all hands on deck now, that um, this isn't going to be an ongoing issue? Oh, look, um, I, I'm, I'm those people that's confident that will nip this in the bud, that's for sure. Um, yep. I've got the positive side of life. <laughs> I want you to have to uh, in your, in your sure. line of work. Yeah, <laughs> you do. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think... Um, I think if we do, if we continue to do what we need to do to ensure that we stay safe and stay out of the way of this virus, um, I think we'll nip it in the bud. I think Victoria are really in a good position yep. um, now. I think we we've really contained it well, and I think you know our numbers are dropping across the state, um, and I think that's really good signs. How we contain that and maintain it is another. Another another issue, I think. Um, we need to think seriously about that, of course. Um, yeah, and I yeah, just the, hope that the, our government. Sorry, um, sorry. The, the the levers at you know the government's you know disposal now in terms of ramping up restrictions or, or putting mm. down restrictions, um, you know, really enforcing social distancing means that you know according to the modelling and it's just modelling, but it really um, potentially enables them to you know, given the position that we are in now, to really have, you know, as finite a control on this thing as, as as we can. The way we ease out of it's the challenge, isn't it? It is. It's so so true. And, you know, just the the um the effect on on organizations, agencies, um, businesses across the state, um, that'd be a big teller, I think, for all of us. And government needs to be mindful of that. And they said Need um, the not-for-profit sector, which is is the atros, and um, how they support them financially to keep going with what we do. We're we're doing things that are extraordinary, and we would not normally do the kind of work we're doing at the moment, and that means an added expense to our funding. So, yeah, those sorts of things need to be looked at and need to be understood. And hopefully the government will make sure that we are looked after as well. Yep, this uh, this stuff isn't cheap. You know, this is a. Uh, oh God, a, no! <laughs> <laughs> this is a. Uh, did you realise you said that out loud? Um, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> this, is, um, <laughs> this is a once in a lifetime thing, and you know, needs all hands on deck, and the resources need to go where people are the most vulnerable. And there's no more vulnerable cohort in the community than the Aboriginal community. You know, the com- Aboriginal community and the elderly community, of course. But. Um, yes. Thank you so much for coming on this evening. Look after yourself and um, uh, we'll keep in touch. Yes, thank you very much, Daniel. Appreciate the time. No worries. Bye-bye. Bye. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. Now, I am uh, Daniel James. You're listening to The Mission. I'm broadcasting from Radio City Docklands. <laughs> and um, now it is April amnesty time, as you may be aware. And as you know, that um, just like the rest of the community, the Triple R is in a precarious predicament. But we're doing everything we can to keep the station on air and to be your station in isolation. So, hence, I'm here 
in my studio with um, two room dividers behind me with um, dunas over the top to get some sort of semblance of sound control, some, you know, bit of dampening of, of the echoes here in the spare room. If I um, look to my left, uh, my fridge is there fully stocked. If I look to my right, I see Victoria Harbour um, for what it's worth. But, um, you know, your support helps keep things on air. And, you know, I've, I've had inside word that the support shown by the Triple R community already has been phenomenal in terms of where it is this year compared to last year. So um, thank you so much. Um, if you want to if you want to donate or subscribe to shows, just go to rrr.org.au or if you don't have the internet, you can call Triple uh, R on, uh, now this will test me, 9388 between 10 and 6 on weekdays, and um, there'll be someone there to take your call and your subscription. So uh, I'm going to continue on with um, some music now, and then after that, hopefully, if this technology holds up, I'll be speaking with uh, April Watson about uh, the outcomes of the uh, inquest, inquest into Tanya Day's tragic death. You're listening to Triple R 102.7 FM. Melbourne's own Triple R. Okay, so the, the modern... Modern wonders of remote broadcasting. Couldn't get April on Sky, but I have actually got her on the phone here. And I'm going to hold my phone up to the microphone and we'll have a yarn. So um, let me do my introduction. <laughs> Amid all the um, all-conquering news coverage of uh, COVID-19, there was news last week that would have usually featured heavier in our news services. A coroner investigating the death in custody of Aboriginal woman, Yorta Yorta woman, Tanya Day, has um, referred the case to the public of public prosecutions, Department of Public Prosecutions, to determine whether criminal negligence has occurred. In short, the Victorian coroner, Caitlin English, has recommended that the Victorian police officers involved in the monitoring of Tanya Day following her detainment be investigated by the DPP. It was six months of deliberations and at many times um, there were very harrowing tales of what actually happened to Tanya and the decisions that were made on her behalf. Um, present through the entire 14-day inquest were Tanya's family and we have one of her daughters on the line now, April Watson. Um, April, thank you so much for um, coming back to Triple R and having a yarn to us. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, first of all, uh, despite uh, you know last the goings on last week, how is you and your family coping with uh, the current COVID outbreak? Um, it's definitely um, a struggle for us not being able to be together as much as we can be, um, especially during this time of the findings. But I guess we're just trying to we're just trying to do our part, stay home and stay safe. Yeah, being um, being a good citizen at this uh, time is in, is important for all of us, and it's important that um, you keep health and healthful, healthy and f- um, fit for um, what's to come. Um, Now, I know that you've covered this um, many times before, but just for for, for this audience, can you just give us an overview of what happened to your mum way back in December 2017? Yep. So back in December, was December the 5th, mum was travelling on the V-Line train from Pachuca to Melbourne. Um, During that time frame, mum had fallen asleep on the train, which was when Sean Irvine the V-Line conductor had come across Mum asleep and decided to wake her up to look for a ticket. Um, within, like, you know, a couple of seconds, a minute, he had decided that she was unruly 
and wanted her removed from the train. So once he had made that decision, um, the police had then come to Castlemaine and removed Mum from the train and then they took her to the Castlemaine police station. And during that time frame that they had Mum in there, they failed to monitor effectively. Um, they broke their policies and procedures mm. of the usual checks and they had even made a decision to extend their checks um, and do it by monitor and even that they didn't keep to. So, um, you know, mum had fallen her head, um, fallen and hit her head multiple times when she was in that police zone. One of those was the fatal injury, which caused a brain hemorrhage. Um, and then throughout that time frame, mum had lost um, control of her body on the right side. And mm -hmm. that's when you can see her in the footage where she's laying completely still on the concrete floor with the blanket over her head and that whole time they didn't enter the cell. They had seen her laying there like that. Um, she looked like that she had already passed with that image mm. and they still didn't go in there to check on her. And once they did, um, you know, it, it was already too late and, you know, she was taken to St Vincent's where they had, you know, tried to do the operation to save her life and unfortunately she died 17 days later, which was, you know, three days before Christmas. Absolutely harrowing and, and tragic and, um, you know, makes you angry to think about it. One of the things that the, the, the coroner found was that the V-line conductor um, showed unconscious bias in the way that he dealt with, with your mum in terms of instead of calling the, 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 um, an ambulance or calling some, some relatives or finding out where your mother was from, he called the cops straight away. Yeah, and, you know, this is the, this is the thing that we've been saying from day one is that we know that it was racially motivated mm. in all aspects um, with the V-line conductor and the police, but the V-line conductor is the one that set everything in motion, so we are happy that she was able to identify that within her findings um, because, you know, he is he's also responsible and he has, you know, he has to live with that now, that now you know, mum's dead because of the decision that he made. And the, um, the, the coroner the coroner didn't mince her words at all. I watched the um, the entire thing um, via the live stream and she was very, very clear as to where she saw the, the errors in decision-making, the um, errors in um, some of the practice that uh, the V-Line as an organisation has and that the police has um, as an organisation. Um, you do know that by being so strong and being so steadfast, you've helped everyone in the Aboriginal community as a result of the strength and um, courage you've shown in, in, in trying to get justice for your mum. Yeah, and, you know, like a lot of people um, talk about it and for us it's just we're just doing um, what mum would have done. Yep. We're doing, um, we're doing it for her so she gets justice. We're doing it for you know, Uncle Harrison, and we're doing it for every other Aboriginal person because we don't we don't ever want any of our mob to die the way that mob did. And you know we've had so many Aboriginal deaths in the community, and it's you know it's devastating when you think that you could have four or five family members in one family that's had death in custody, but then you've also got you know family friends, you've got people that you're close with in community, and. We just want to make sure that 
mum's life wasn't in vain and her death wasn't in vain, but that our pain can also be turned into resilience to keep that mob safe. Yeah, no, you're making me well up a bit now, April. yeah, absolutely. What what you've done has, um, like I said, improved, potentially improved outcomes for, for the rest of us. Entire generations of families have been wiped out as a result of the justice system and, and deaths in custody. Um, we know that there's still a long way to go, and unfortunately I have to wrap this um, uh, interview up sooner rather than later. I'm spewing. I would like to have the whole hour with you, really. But um, has last week's findings brought any sort of deal, um, any sort of you know, skerrick of, of closure for you yet? Uh, I don't know. It's like for me personally, it's like yes and no. Like no findings could ever bring mum back. Um, you know, she was ripped away from us in like mm. the worst way possible. And, you know, the fact that the coroner has acknowledged that, you know, they didn't treat her with dignity and respect, you know, that's that's a lot to... It's a lot to process. To, yeah, and I yeah. guess because we have been um, like this inquest and mum's death has consumed our lives for so long, it's like what is normal, what's the normal for us? And I think now it's trying to work out what that is um, because this is like all we've known for the past two years, nearly three years now. So, um, yeah, we definitely are grateful that we got a little win in terms of her acknowledging you know, him acting in a racist way, the feline conductor, but we're also disappointed that um, she wasn't able to acknowledge the systemic racism within the police force, which we all know is built and entrenched with racism. Yeah, it makes you think and wonder what all those Aboriginal justice agreements were for if, um, you know, this is where we still find ourselves. Um, yeah. April, thank you so much for your time. I'm sh- it's a shame we can't chat longer, but I've got to um, fish- finish this show. But again, uh, my thanks and admiration and love to your family for, for doing what you've done and um, uh, my never-ending respect for, um, for for your mother as well. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. See you later. See ya. Okay, well, that's the end of the show. Um, time to play... A little bit of Charlie Pride. I can't talk over the top of Charlie this week because of um, our constraints. Well, they're not really constraints. They're just another way of sort of liberating us and um, making us connect with you because we are Triple R, your station in isolation. Thank you so much to everyone at the station that has made this happen. Um, uh, the names are too long to list, but the amount of work that has gone into enabling this broadcast to occur is um, phenomenal. And um, it's where your hard-earned goes if you ever have the chance to uh, donate to the station or subscribe to shows like The Mission. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R every Tuesday evening. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website.